you're listening to Journey by Faith, the official podcast of Faith Bible College in Norfolk, Virginia. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody, to the Faith Bible College podcast. Uh, we're so glad to be going back through Genesis. Good afternoon, Dr. Newman. How you doing? I'm doing just fine. Good to see you again. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got some great stuff today. We are talking about the Imago Dei, or the image of God. And this comes right here uh, in Genesis uh, chapter 1, verse 26, is where we are. Um, now, just to kind of link this to what we've been talking about, this would be part of day six. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. So it, he cre- God has already created the land animals on day six, uh, livestock and the other beast of the, of the earth. And so now we come to the pinnacle of God's creation, mankind. Yes, good. Now there's lots of words we can uh, focus on here and... I, you know, I kind of have, I stop at right where it says, let us. All right. I think we've already touched on this. So this is the trilogy in creation. Any additional thoughts on that? No, obviously, you know, those who don't believe in the triune God are going to try to come up with other explanations for that. Uh, So they'll, they'll say the us might be what we call the royal we, uh, Hmm. you know, when, uh, Queen Victoria is quoted as saying, we are not amused uh, mm. when she's really talking about herself. But that that doesn't make sense. Uh, some would say, well, God is conversing with the angels, but angels are not made in his image and likeness. So right. that doesn't fit. So the only explanation that we have is that uh, the father, son and spirit are communicating with each other and have decided to create mankind. Okay. Yeah, I agree. And especially when you consider in the context of all of scripture, you think about John chapter one, like we've talked about how the word was with God in the beginning. I also think about Colossians as well. Colossians chapter one, uh, where it talks about Christ being the image of the invisible God and the firstborn of creation, and by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. And again, we have kind of that repeated language in Colossians about heaven and earth. So obviously when you look at it in the whole of scripture, it's obvious that the New Testament authors saw Christ as uh, active in creation as well. Right. And we already saw back earlier in chapter one, uh, the Holy Spirit working as well. So clearly uh, the triune God uh, at work here in creating mankind. Yes. And I think that is so interesting to me how that connects uh, to everything that we will talk about as we look through uh, the creation of man, uh, including the creation of uh, woman as well. We're not quite there yet, but I think if you think about uh, it not being good for man to be alone in light of that. And again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but just the trilogy is very important, I think, as part of uh, it creation. is. It yep. is important to see the Trinity here. Yes. Yep. Now, uh, this uh, next two words, we've got two words here. We've got image in our image and after our likeness. Now, are those kind of the same word or they mean something different? What do you think there? Uh, the Hebrew words here, image is 
Salem and with a TS. Uh, and likeness is the mute uh, and used outside of the Old Testament. Uh, both are used to, re to give the idea of statues or uh, representations of kings or gods. And so, yeah, th th it's hard to really take these two words and parse them in the saying that they have distinct meanings of themselves. So that's why, you know, this is summed up in what uh, we refer to as the Imago Dei, which is okay. simply Latin for the image of God. So uh, image and likeness are very similar in their meanings. Gotcha. All right. And I've, I've heard before that this whole idea of image has to do with like it could be the same thing as like an idol or something like that and it's part of why god will later command uh his people not to create idols because he doesn't need an image he's already created his image being the people that he's made that's correct that's yeah. correct and awesome. by the way now that you mentioned that uh, the jews in the time of the new testament uh well they technically rejected Roman coinage because the right. image of the emperor was on there. Uh, so I, I say technically because they, they, they denounced it, but they used it every place except for the temple. So uh, yeah. uh, they would not use Roman coinage with the image of the emperor on there in the temple. But yeah, so they certainly recognize man as an image of God. Yeah, and I was thinking back to, uh, as we just think through the image of God, when we talked about uh, when Jesus is asked about, asked about taxation, thinking back to our faith forum this year, when yeah. we talked about what that meant and how Jesus asked, whose, whose image is this on the coin? And right. the, the person who asked him responded that it was uh, Caesar's image. And he says, then give to Caesar what Caesar's and God's what's God's. And any good Jewish person who heard that would think, well, who's where, whose image or who has God's image? Who bears God's image? Oh, that's me. Right. right? So that if you think about that in the context of uh, what he does here in creation, then that takes even more power. Yes. And that's one of the one of the implications of this doctrine of the Imago Dei is that all people uh, are made in the image of God and therefore belong to God. You know, as you were right. just saying, you know, give unto God what belongs to God. Well, that's individuals, people. Right. That's our whole self. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. All right. So anything else before we uh, go on? I've got a, the next word that ha gives me pause, unless there's anything else to add for image and likeness here. Well, um, part of what we want to talk about today is what does it mean to be made in the okay. image and likeness of God? Good. And, yep. you know, as you can imagine, there have been numerous views that have been floated around throughout history as to what this means. But let me uh, summarize all of those views into three concepts, if I might. The, the first is what we might call the view of representation, meaning that 
the image and likeness of God in man means that we represent God. And again, we go back to the, uh, the ancient times and kings would set up idols of themselves or statues of themselves throughout their kingdom, uh, not necessarily to be worshipped, but simply as a reminder of who the king was. Uh, and so some have said, well, we represent God in that way. Uh, we are a reminder to ourselves and to each other that we are like God. Uh, some have said, well, no, this representation is physical in that man looks like God. Hmm. Well, okay. there's all kinds of problems with that because obviously we all look different and we have to say, hmm. well, you know, which one of us is the exact representation of God? And even if you say, well, that would be Jesus, Jesus uh, being from Palestine had certain genetic uh, right. aspects to his humanity that are not represented in all ethnicities and all people. So uh, I think we can pretty much safely rule out the physical representation yeah. that we look like God. I agree. Others with that. have yeah. said the representation is more of a personality type of thing meaning that both god and man have intellect emotion and will and therefore uh we are like god in that way now of course uh you know when i teach on this i i teach that only man has intellect emotion and will in the same way that god does uh, right. angelic creatures do have intellect they do have emotion and they do have will uh but differently but right. i teach that animals do not and i always get people that argue with me uh that well you know animals have intellect and i say well yes they do uh animals have emotion i i, I disagree uh and again, mm -hmm. even my own wife disagrees with me on this. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of think those who think animals have emotions have been watching too much Disney. Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and but animals do not have will. They do not have the ability to come up with a plan and act upon it. They act on instinct. Right. So, I would say it's more instinct. Yeah, I agree with that. Yep. Uh, so personality may be part of that representation. The, the second viewpoint is we are made in the image and likeness of God in a relational manner. In other words, God being triune, there is communion and relationship between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that mankind is the only creation that really has intimate relationships with God and with each other. And so therefore it's a relational aspect that we have. Um, others have said, no, it's more of a ruling aspect. In other words, as we'll see when we 
move on past right. these words. Uh, God has created us to rule over the earth, and therefore we rule in his place uh, to a certain extent. And so those are the three primary views that are out there as to what it means to be made in the image and likeness of God. And personally, well, before I tell you what I think, let me ask <laughs> you, what do you think? I I am kind of, I kind of take like the last, I definitely agree with the representation. And I think it's going to be more of the last one is what I believe. So more of the, and again, I'm reading it in context, thinking, let you know, he's giving us dominion uh, that's granted to us. It's almost like, yeah, like you said, we're his representative. Uh, so it's kind of, it has to do with that dominion that comes next, I think. Yeah, I, and, you know, unlike most people who debate over this and say, well, it's got to be one or the other, I think it's mm -hmm. a combination of all three. Sure, uh, yeah, I that think that we yeah. are relational, we are representative of God, and we certainly do rule on his behalf, uh, both now and certainly in the future as well. So. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's an incredible thing to think that of all of the creation of God, of everything that God made, only mankind uh, possesses his image and his likeness. Right. As I said before, man is the pinnacle uh, of God's creation. Absolutely. Yeah. So that gives us a great picture of what it means uh, to be in, made in God's image. Uh, I want to focus a little bit over on this idea of uh, having dominion, which again, we have already touched on a little bit, but uh, we see here, God gives uh, ruling authority of some kind, not obviously not over him, but over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and the livestock and over all the earth and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So uh, when we think about that, does that uh, obviously God's not asking mankind to usurp him as king but in what way does that look like he's inviting us to uh rule with him i guess is kind of my thought when i see that well part of this can be understood better i think as we go back to the uh original hearers and readers of genesis who were right. living in a different culture than us in for example, in ancient Babylon, Mesopotamia, there, there was a king, but he would have what was called satraps. And mm. these satraps ruled uh, in his stead over a particular territory. And they could make enactments or pronouncements on behalf of the king that were just as strong as the king, but, um, you know, weren't made by the king. So in the book of Daniel, we see in chapter six, uh, a gentleman by the name of Darius the Mede making a law that nobody could pray for 30 days to anybody except through him. Uh, now, he was just over the territory of the city of Babylon. The real king was a Persian by the name of Cyrus the Great. Right. But uh, and, you know, what Darius did was in full effect in Babylon as if Cyrus had said it himself. So 
that's the kind of dominion that God has given okay. us. Certainly not to overrule him, but to rule on his behalf. And let me just throw this out there as well. This idea of dominion and the rule that we see uh, is along the lines of a shepherding mm. or a stewardship. In other words, God has given us dominion, but not possession. It still belongs to him. We uh, take care of it on his behalf. And so we have to give an account of how we take care of the creation of God. Now, I by no means am, am what you might call a greenie or, you know, a, a tree hugger. But uh, <laughs> I do believe that there needs to be a healthy balance between us, especially as believers, uh, understanding that we are to shepherd creation uh, rather than just destroy it willy nilly because, you know, it, it's what we want to do. Yeah, I agree without a doubt. Yep. Taking care of creation. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, part of what I think this this means here is, yeah, you know, if you're given something to rule over and have dominion over, you want to take care of it. Right. You want to Absolutely. be a good steward, I think, is what's what we see. Yep. Yeah. And, and knowing that we have to give an account of that. Well, exactly. Yeah. You know, as a steward does. Makes it all the more challenging. Yeah, without a doubt. Right. So there's lots of things that go into that. And, you know, I think that's, again, the purpose why we're going through uh, through Genesis, going through the word like this is so that our decisions can be informed by the word of God first, not by science, not by politics, not by anything else. What does the word of God tell us to do? Let's let what we believe his word is saying to inform our actions and inform where we spend our time, spend our efforts, spend our money, all of that. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. I agree. If we right. move on to verse 27. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female he created them. So right. even though we don't see the creation of woman yet or Eve, uh, we'll see that more specifically in chapter two. Uh, still, though, we are told that it is male and female, uh, right. biological gender and sex. And of course, we're all well aware of the controversy over that topic today in our society. Right. Yep. But the Bible makes it pretty clear there's two genders, male and female, and that's what God intended, and that's what God created. For sure, yes, absolutely. Yeah, this is kind of a little summary poem line here, we think, too, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And again, uh, like and you said, we're going to get to this part in uh, Genesis 2 where it more closely focuses on the creation of man and woman. Uh, but this gives us this idea, hey, you know, both men and women are created equal in the image of God. They're, one is not more valuable than the other. Yes. And, and by the way, the word here that we see, you know, let us make man and God created man. The The mm -hmm. word is Adam, which obviously right. is where we get the name Adam. But yep. Adam also has a as a derivative, the word Adama, which means dust or dirt right. reminding us that 
man. And typically when we see the word Adam used in scripture, it is referring to humanity as a whole, not right. just to men. So no misogyny here at all. <laughs> yes, exactly. I agree. Yeah, just the word human maybe would be a good way to put it or mankind or something like that. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. All right. Good. After this poem, yep, God uh, blesses them. And he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And, you know, I feel like, yeah, he, again, and he says, have dominion over it. He repeats this idea of uh, dominion, but he gives this uh, command to be fruitful and multiply. Yeah, let's talk about that for a moment. Uh, right. Many scholars refer to this as, as the cultural mandate to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And the question is, if this is a command, was it a command to Adam and Eve or was it a command to all humanity? Right. And if it's to all humanity, then uh, we are still under that command. Personally, yeah. I think that causes problems because anybody who doesn't get married and any couple that doesn't bear children would be in violation of this command of right. being fruitful. So um, I personally believe that this was a command to Adam and Eve. We see it right. repeated okay. again in chapter nine to Noah and his family after the flood. And in both instances, uh, the earth needed to be filled. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think you can make a strong argument today that uh, not maybe not that the earth is completely filled, but it's pretty full. Right. Uh, it's been full. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't think this is a command for us, as some have taken it, to just go out and have as many children as possible. Right. Uh, and and that's being obedient to God. So, sure. yeah, that makes sense to me. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, and then as he goes on, he, you know, again, like we said, it repeats this idea to have dominion. And then he says this, he says, God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed. It's on the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them uh, for food and to every beast on the earth and every bird in the heavens, to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And it was so now um, I'm going to ask a uh, question kind of in jest, but does this mean that they were, uh, always to be vegetarians. So. <laughs> well, I don't like the word always, but right. uh, at that point, yes, absolutely. Sure. Uh, yep. And personally, I thank God for Genesis 9, where God gave <laughs> man the permission to eat meat. Yes, and absolutely. even more so in Acts chapter 10, when God gave the permission for you and I as Gentiles to eat, well, that's just called as it is bacon, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and pork and, and yes. other animals that were forbidden uh, back according yep. to the Levitical law. So, sure. yeah, but Adam and Eve uh, and technically those before the flood were meant to be vegetarians. And you notice, as we mentioned last week, so are the animals. So right. there, there's no hunting and killing. Mm -hmm. prior to the and fall supports 
that idea that we talked about last week where uh, no no death before the fall of man, right? Yeah. That's what kind of supports that idea. Yep. No death before sin. Right. Right. Yep. So that's helpful to see that again, to see how it all connects and makes sense together. Um, and here's God says it was so, and every and God saw everything he'd made, and behold, it was very good. Is this the first time he says very good as opposed to just good? It is. And it, it's actually um, the, the word good repeated for emphasis. Ah. So it is extremely good. Now, okay. I'll tell you personally, um, I think, and again, the only support that I have for this biblically is this verse right here. But I think that the fall of Satan uh, comes after the sixth day. Okay. Uh, simply because God pronounces at this time all of creation as extremely good, perfectly yes. good. And if Satan had already fallen uh, and death had already taken place, then uh, I don't know if I would have been able to call it good, but, sure. you know, I'm not God. So, you know, right. I, I could be wrong in that area. Sure. And again, all the things that we think, anything that's not explicitly written, we have to take these things that we learned. We have to take these, uh, I don't want to call them concepts, but take these truths that we learn and try and apply as best we can, right? That's yeah. doing good biblical interpretation. And that's what we're trying to do here. Yeah, and as we look at this concept of the Imago Dei, let, let me just mention a, a few of the implications of this. Again, this is for all people. Every human being is made in the image and likeness of God, and nobody more than another or less than another. We also right. notice that this image, while damaged by sin in the fall, was not destroyed. So mankind today still bears to an extent the image and likeness of God. And right. what that means is, is that mankind, human beings have innate value. And that means that we have value in, of, in and of our creation, not yes. because of what we accomplish, not because of what we look like, but simply because we are human with God's image, we have value. And right. I, I got to tell you that that is a constant challenge, at least for me, to look at all people as having value because they're in the image of God. Uh, you know, there are some people that, especially those who are driving in front of me, going <laughs> 10 miles under the speed limit, uh, I don't always consider them to have the same value that God does, but right, yeah. uh, you know, that that's what this passage teaches us. And by the way, uh, you know, in Western society, we believe that uh, man is created equal and right. that whole concept that we find in from the founding fathers comes from the doctrine of the Imago Dei that all people right. are created equal in the eyes of God. So Absolutely. lots of ap applications, lots of implications that go along with this very important doctrine. Yes, absolutely. I agree. 
And it is interesting to think about how many of our founding documents and founding just took uh, the these truths from the Bible and applied them and said, hey, these are good ways to live. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I believe this section of Genesis actually ends after chapter two, verse three. That's just the way I read it. So I'm just going to finish reading uh, through that. Obviously, after uh, God saw everything he made was very good, it says, uh, once more, there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus, the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. Uh, so we see the seventh day where God rests here. Uh, it's interesting that there's not evening and morning on the seventh day, I think. I'm interested to see what you think that means, but uh, that brings us here to uh, the day that God rested. Yeah. Well, you want to cover that now? You're going to wait until next week to deal with the seventh day. I think there's uh, a lot we, that we can go into there. I think that's a great idea. I think we should uh, look at the seventh day and what all this means uh, when we meet uh, next week. Sounds good to me. All right, everybody. Well, we're so glad you've joined us as we take this uh, journey through Genesis, and we hope to see you next time. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye.